0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. On the channel, you will find podcasts, interviews, and content on a various subjects, including mental health, football, serial killers, films, TV, conspiracy theories, wrestling, music, and a whole lot more. All of our shows are available in video format at youtubecom Ace Podcast Nation. You can also find audio versions at uh, all the usual podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Tune in radio and whole load of other apps and catchers. Uh, today's show is uh, that little bit of different se- uh, series which we like, uh, where it's uh, unscripted and uncensored. So I've got no run through or questions, which have been prepared by myself. It's uh, all provided by other people, and uh, we'll just have some talking points and subjects and questions people have sent in by uh, email, Twitter, or Facebook they always a lot of fun, they can go off on wild tangents at any point, and uh, yeah, they can also go off the rails, which makes it a good time, and, and usually entertaining. But uh, yeah, so joining me today for episode four of Unscripted and Uncensored is uh, for my MMA fighter, who was Cage Warriors featherweight champion of the world for seven years, for all over the world, proudly boasts that he was never beaten and uh, I'm extremely happy to welcome Mr. Danny Batten to the show. Welcome, Danny. How are you doing today, mate? Hi, Simon, and all those who are you listening. Yes, uh, I'm really, really. Uh, I was really happy to have you on, mate. To be honest, this uh, big fan of your work. I, um, funny enough, like when I was just luck like, preparing for the show over the last few days. It's like looking at some of your fights, and uh, <clears throat> one of the things I really like like about the, your kind of fighting style is your leg kicks because mm-hmm. um i feel like you know i'm no expert on mma by any mm-hmm. means but i do watch quite a lot and um i feel like sometimes leg kicks can be quite telegraphed by the uh you know by the people doing them and yeah. uh, i like i always appreciate the yours were really really like well hidden and they were yeah. quite sharp and yeah 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 I really, I do enjoy watching, but um. So when did you retire?
1: Uh, I think yeah. I was I, I was thirty seven or thirty eight, and I'm forty five now, heading on to forty six. So um, I think I had my last fight two thousand and ten. I think
0: that's. God. Yeah, about It's weird yeah. how much time flies, isn't it? Because like oh my goodness, when, you, yeah. when I think two thousand and ten, you think oh, I was a couple of years ago, but then yeah. in actual fact, we're in yeah. two thousand and nineteen now, so it's. That's right. Yeah, I know nearly a decade.
1: And when I had my last fight, I didn't know it was going to be my last fight. It's uh, it just kind of happened. I was just kind of having a bigger, bigger gap in between uh, fights, and uh, weight started going on steadily. And um, yeah, just different things came into my life, and that become not so important. So yeah, it just sort of one of those things that just happened.
0: Yeah, it's one of one of the things I was going to ask you about actually, which was a question from me, was about weight cutting, because obviously, like you just mentioned there, as people, you know, as you get older, particularly men, as they get to, you know, like mid thirties, coming towards forty, it's, you naturally, you know, you put on a bit of weight, or you find it harder to to keep the weight off. How brutal are the weight cuts? Because weight cuts look to me, they look brutal and they look dangerous, but yeah. No, I mean me.
1: it, it, well, it's down to the individual, first of all, what weight division he chooses and how, how ambitious he wants to be with uh trying to get down to those weights. Um for me, it was a very different era that I started my career in. Um so I started right at the beginning of the millennium, uh like I had my amateur fights in nineteen ninety nine and then I started my pro career in two thousand. Um and so back then there was no featherweight division and I was walking around at sixty four kilos. And fighting in under 70 kilo bracket, as many of us guys around that weight was. Um, but you could kind of get away with it then because there was such a big void in technical skill between two people and two clubs. You could kind of get away with being smaller. It wasn't such a big, big issue as it is now. Yeah. I mean, look at USC 1, that was open weight, and okay, a smaller guy won it, right? In, in, in horse yeah, weight. Yeah, yeah. So size didn't matter back then as much as it would now. Um, so yeah I mean weight cutting was not an issue for me in my early part of the career but I did begin to gain weight um, and they brought in lighter weight divisions and that's when I had to start cutting weight and uh, to be honest all the way through my career i never done it how they do it today, Um, I did it very very wrong Um, and I think it was only because I was so fit that I got away with doing it the way that I did do it and and still pull off some notable victories um, because I I just did it totally wrong It was not so, healthy.
0: When you say wrong, did you, do you mean like you just left it kind of to the last minute where you didn't really focus on your weight and yeah, then uh, when it was time to fight say, it was kind of...
1: Okay, when I say wrong, I, I did no water load. Um, now people do water load. I had no really idea about, you know, true nutrition for leading up to a fight and certainly what you eat straight after doing a weight cut and a weigh-in. Um, I, I didn't have really any knowledge. Um, I had to do things, uh, we had an idea, so I was doing it all in a sauna. Um, and when I, you know, what things might made things more complicated when I did do uh overseas fights in Las Vegas or over in Japan, I didn't realize that your body retains water in with the flight, so I was landing quite often on the weighing day, um, and weighing in a lot heavier than I thought I should, was gonna be, and uh, you know, that was. That made for a really hard weight cut. I, I was sort of starting my weight cut at seventy-four kilos on the day of the weigh-in on the morning, and I was cutting all the way down to sixty-five kilos. Um, to such accru- a lot, isn't a test of character because I, I think it works out around about a kilo an hour uh, doing it in a sauna.
0: Uh, it was not a pleasurable experience. Can't be healthy for the human body, can it? Do you know oh, what I mean? I mean I, I mean,
1: I don't think I would have been cleared to fight doing it the way that I did it. I mean, I passed out numerous times. Uh, making some of my weight cuts and um, there's just no way they would have let me fight if they knew that, that kind of thing was going on
0: yeah i think they're they're a bit more uh tight on the regulations surrounding the weight cutting now like you've seen a few few fighters get pulled in the ufc recently yeah uh, you know, where they're having problems obviously there's that sort of infamous video with uh, cyborg uh chris cyborg yeah. the what the female one uh Where she's cutting is it's it's distressing seeing someone like sure that upset and that that yeah uncomfortable. And obviously, there was a a Chinese I think it was a Chinese fighter who died in 2015. Um, and I hear like some of the podcasts that I listen to, um, they kind of talk about it a lot and they kind of saying they think it's only a matter of time before there's something you know, something goes badly wrong with it because yeah. fighters are cutting so much weight in such a short amount of time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but it's, it's, it's almost like it's part and parcel of the game as well, isn't it? Because yeah. I think fighters want that advantage, don't they, of being big in, their, yeah. you know, in a weight think, division, so they might fight lower I think down rather than yeah, natural I think weight.
1: Now, I think we're just beginning to see perhaps the end of that trend where Fighters are feeling like they they have to have that extra kilo or two over someone. Okay. I, I think they're realizing the deficit of your cardio. If you get that, you know, get that weight cut slightly wrong, and you have to push yourself that little bit too hard, you know, it's really hard to strategize, especially for title fights, which are potentially five five minute rounds. I mean, it's a long duration of rounds to stay sharp, stay focused, and, and hold your body together, and the cardio aspects and the muscular endurance aspects. It becomes quite hard if you've had a a difficult weight cut and then of course you've got the longevity of your career um, it can't be doing yourself good to have a long career having hard weight cuts all the time so I think it's something that is not quite as fashionable as it was at one point yeah um, but I, uh, sometimes I wonder where, you know, why it was ever needed I mean the sport's difficult enough in prep without adding all this weight cut palaver with it as well um, I think it would be good if you did, perhaps, an on-the-day weigh-in. Because um, they've just made it even more complicated, but, but potentially safer in, in that the, they're weighing people now leading up to fights, aren't they? And They're not yeah. allowing you to weigh in and gain too much weight.
0: Um, yeah, so, of course, yeah. for people who don't, uh, perhaps, are not familiar with the, the sort of format of it, when a fighter weighs in for the fight, they weigh in, but then they can take in as much as fluids and food as they want between the yeah. weigh-in and fight is that right yeah
1: yeah i mean we had this with tom Mearns. um he fought on bellator uh, and he's someone who walks around you know he's a pretty big guy he, he's he's not too, too tall he's about five foot eight but a really thick set solid individual who will walk around around about 80 kgs and you know he, and he'll steadily and cut the, his way down and, um, you know, he's a pretty tough character, so he can withstand those really hard weight cuts. Um, but, consequentially, you know, he can put on a lot of weight. And, and he did get flagged up, and he did get warned that, you know, in future Bellators, you know, this could show up as a penalty. Um, you know, they're going to start getting okay. stricter with it. So he actually gained so much weight that, they you know, it flagged up. Uh, so I, th- I think it is a good idea. Um, but, i it just begs... The question should we have any kind of weight cutting at all and actually find out who is their best at the actual weight that we walk around at? Um, but I don't know whether that will really ever happen. I think the weighing is kind of, um, it's become a spectacle in itself, hasn't it? You think yeah. about the day before weighing, it, it, it's a big thing. It's a you have to stand off, you have a little speech with the guys, um, and so I don't think it'll be taken away anytime soon
0: because of that. Yeah, I mean. I guess if there was some way to get uh guys just to fight at their kind of natural weight mm. where they maybe just cut in like a pound or two just to be within the limits for their for their weight class, but encouraging more fighters to fight just you know at their generally or general natural weight mm. would be obviously good and healthier, but like you say it's it's uh it's better than it was, I think. Is the main, yeah, uh, thing. Yeah, and I mean, sync. people are educated
1: oh. now, aren't they, with their weight cut? So, yeah. you know, like I say, people are water loading and they're doing things to protect themselves from any damage. They know how to prep their bodies for that weight cut. So it's, it's it's there's still a lot of weight cutting going on in in the sport. I know because uh, you know all the fighters that um, you know I'm coaching that they they all, they all do their weight cut, but they're doing it as a healthier way as possible. So. You know, for that aspect, you know, that kind of pleases me.
0: So when you were fighting, would you have had things like like a nutritionist and all that type of stuff to help with the weight cuts? Was it generally down to you?
1: Yeah, not not really. Um, Yeah, I I mean, (laughs) it was very, very difficult for me personally when I had my career. Um, You know, I was um, a young parent um, of two kids and um a bit old-fashioned so i I never wanted their mum to work so she would be a stay-at-home mum so i'd be working my 60 hour week job as a postman and being a postman was kind of good for my career in that i could finish early um you'd get up really early but you'd finish early and i could do extra training in the afternoon as well as the evening um but yeah it it made preparations for fights and 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 for cutting weight really really difficult. Um, you know, I was trying to be a dad as well as a as a yeah. partner, and and trying to be this single earner. Um, it was not an easy thing, and so, even though I knew perhaps how to eat a little bit better than I should, just sometimes the money wasn't there or or the time to prep these meals. Um, yeah, it was. It, it was just not like how it can be potentially today.
0: Yeah, I suppose in some ways you um I wouldn't say you missed the MMA boom, but in like compared to now, you kind of did where they you know, all the fighters have got like these yeah. big teams of nutritionists and coaches cool. and everyone yeah. kind of doing you know, helping them do every aspect of yeah. everything. Yeah. But you didn't do bad for yourself, let's be fair.
1: No, no, no. Uh, I did all right. Uh, Don't get me wrong. And, um, you know, I I was good in my era. And, um, you know, had I be the same me today, I would have obviously had better coaching because we've got so many of the Brazilians that have come over. We've got a little bit more um, access to the wrestling than we did back in my day. And we've really struggled with any kind of true wrestling knowledge in in my time. So, you know, as a personality and and. And, and having a healthy body that, that that I was born with I think I always would have uh, uh, as achieved the same for the other people who achieved back then um but as my level was then I mean you've got amateurs now that probably would have um beaten a lot of the professionals that were back in my time but it doesn't take away the fact that it, you know everyone who achieved back then weren't achieving the same sort of thing as people achieving today because we just had what we had it was a uh, it's an evolution, yeah. right? We we didn't have access to the knowledge to weight cut, so we was all in the same pool with that. We was all trying to get access to Brazilians and trying to, you know, improvise with our wrestling, and um, you know, we all had very uh, striking backgrounds. But you know, the the sport's evolving naturally, right?
0: Yeah, and I think even if you watch, like, some say, if you watch, I like I, I like to watch um, like the old UFCs, like the very early ones. like UFC bypass and that and um like even like the top guys then in the UFC compared to now like all the fighters now are are more rounded in everything aren't they 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 train in in all aspects whereas in in the very early days of the UFC it was kind of like you had guys who were just just Brazilian jiu-jitsu or just Karate
1: yeah. or wrestling or... Whatever. Oh, well, I, I loved it. I loved it when it was like that because it was, yeah. um, it was questions no one really knew the answers to. So it was a, it was a really good time. I mean, I, I just loved it, um, you know, seeing a judo guy going up against a wrestler, you know, or, or, or totally opposite spectrums, you know, a pure striker up against a pure grappler. I mean, we all wondered who was going to win. I mean, we know the answer now, but of course this sport was always destined to evolve. Um, and even when it evolved where people were striking wrestling and, um, and doing their ground well and you had your complete fighters, the strategy was to you know, not be nowhere near the fence. Um, but now when you get taken down, people were butt scooping to the fence because they use the fence to get up, where it's always considered really a bad thing in the early time. But as strategies as well as techniques uh, evolved, it's now a good thing to be up against the fence if you're taken down. It, it assists you to get back up again.
0: Yeah, I suppose just like your ability and, and knowledge evolves, tactics evolve as well, do not they? In, yeah, absolutely. In all yeah. Of it. I'll, let, I'll never forget the first time I watched, I think it must have been like UFC 1, where you have uh, Royce Gracie versus the, that big, huge dude. I can't remember his name. Um, uh, the the, the <sighs> sumo guy? Yeah, okay. yeah. And, it, and aesthetically, as you look at it, you're thinking, wow, well, the, the big guy's going to just... Rip yeah. him to pieces, okay, yeah, and yeah. Gracie just it just destroys him in yeah, yeah. you know not very much time. Uh, I'll never forget the first time I watched it. It's just that aesthetic of seeing them in the cage and and seeing that big huge guy. There was something um, I don't know what the word is. There's just something novel or like just something completely unique mm-hmm. because of the size difference at that time. Now obviously yeah. I do think that as as you say we use the word again it as it evolved and you have weight classes i do think that's better in terms of quality of fight and fairness and things like that but there is something just a bit different wasn't there when you had the open weight and you could just have any any size guy versus any size guy
1: yeah yeah i mean it it was just so intriguing to watch wasn't it um Yeah, I, I, I suppose a lot of us deep down were probably rooting for the small guy, right? Yeah, um, uh, yeah
0: especially
1: was, because it, I'm was, small. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah it, it was a really great time. I mean, it's a time that you're never going to get again because once you've got evolution as far as we've got now, it's never going to go back that way, right? You know, you're, you're not going to yeah. have those type of fights. I mean, you're always going to have your slightly better strikers and slightly better grapplers. But, and, um, but you know, you've got the weight divisions now. Uh, everyone's pretty much well rounded, um, and and I think now a lot of the way you prep for a certain individual fighter and your camp's ability to strategize is is what's giving people the edge now.
0: Yeah, so it really interests me actually the the like the kind of coaching and the camp side of it because mm-hmm. I I almost think if you've got the best coaches and camp and training partners mm-hmm. is that more beneficial than being naturally gifted at certain yeah. aspects well, I, I can't decide what I think as a fan is, is, would be yeah. more beneficial
1: yeah I mean if, you, if, you're, if we talk about trying to get a guy to become like a USE world champion and you know really establish that he's number one you kind of have to get all these things to line up with so many factors, you know, he has to be athletically gifted, he has to have a really strong mindset, he has to be intelligent, you can't go in there you know, and not be a smart guy, a smart guy, a smart individual, you've got to be kind of switched on, um, you've got to have a good camp, good coaching, good nutrition, um, there's so many things that line up um, to, to, to make a true success of someone now, so... Yeah, I mean, you're always at a certain level going to have someone who's really, really physical who can outmatch a technical guy. And indeed, when I teach and coach people, I always say power and athleticism will always outdo a singular technique. But techniques chained together in a strategy will potentially outdo the explosive and powerful individual. But if that powerful and athletic individual, if he's more so than you and he's smart and educated and got a good camp, well, then you're going to be in trouble, right? That, that's the kind of person that's going to stand victorious today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you've you mentioned uh, a couple of times now, about you've got your, your own academy or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's yep. academy and uh, you're absolutely. doing coaching. Yep. Um, so I assume you spend the majority of your time doing that. Um, yes. Is that just training people, or, you know, tell me a bit about that. Okay, so the, the academy
1: is, um, you know, geared to doing a lot of things for the community. Uh, that a lot of people don't probably realise. I probably see BSC Academy and associate us with, with just being a fighters gym. Although being a fighters gym is is, is, a, is a big part of what puts us out there regards uh, attention coming our way um, in our local community. We do a lot of things for troubled kids. You know, kids that have been um, expelled from school or troublesome in schools. We get them together and we do them a little training program which uh, Jordan um, is involved with and uh, and a lady that we got there as a coach, Claire Riley. You know, they're quite uh, regular in in, in alternating the coaching experience for those kids. Uh, We got free classes, um, you know, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for kids is for free, um, for judos for free. Um, We got wrestling classes. You know, we do a lot of free stuff. We got a a free women's self-defense class. Um, So, you know, we, we are geared towards, you know, helping our local town um, you know, really heavily um, but the, the, the I don't want to say exciting side because that's exciting in itself to know you're helping your own community but the part that gets uh, a lot of the attention that you will all know about is obviously the fight career that we're, um, that we're making out of all the fighters um, but we've got a fantastic gym uh, facility there as well we're just really really lucky it's a really big place it's close to 50,000 square feet it's got a lot of weights equipment a lot of cardio equipment we're just in the throes of putting a sprint track in it um and which is all helping you know get people ready for fights but um yeah so we're not a gym we are definitely an academy we're just lucky to have such an amazing gym facility which is growing over the years we've been able to add to it and grow it and
0: it's got to um quite an impressive standard right now yeah that's that's awesome man i, I gotta say like i wish they had something like that in cardiff where i'm from uh right did stuff for kids yeah which is free because I like I a few times over the years for the three of my boys I've looked at, like some sort of MMA training because I think it'd be good for him um, yeah so, like the older ones My oldest, one is he 14 he's got ADHD and mm-hmm. and he plays football he plays a lot of football because he plays for an academy but he also you know he he's got a lot of energy and he I try to make sure that he directs his energy and his focus to the right things he's at cool. an age where you know some kids are getting into trouble and doing things so i'm trying to steer him away from that sort of thing obviously as best i can as all parents do um mm-hmm. so i do wish there was something like that in cardiff which wasn't super expensive uh unfortunately as far as i'm aware there isn't uh, mm-hmm. which is a shame because i feel like boxing and mma and and martial arts generally mm-hmm. can be really good for kids like i we're very lucky Our kids are very, very noisy, but they're Mm. generally very well-behaved-ish. Sometimes, maybe, but (laughs) generally they are. But obviously, when I was younger, when I was like his age, like 14, 15, I was into all sorts. I was not particularly well-behaved, and there's all sorts of stuff which my mother didn't know I was doing, and something like that would have really appealed to me, and I feel like at the time, it would have helped me a lot.
1: Right, it yeah, yeah,
0: but would, yeah. like you say, things like have evolved, and I know a friend of mine does a lot of stuff with boxing, similar thing, and he focuses a lot of his time on coaching kids who are, yeah. you know, get them off the streets and. Right. How many? You know, how many times you go to a shop in the evening, and you just see groups of kids from you know from any age, from like twelve to sixteen, just hanging mm-hmm. around. And, you know, their time could be better spent in the, in the gym, doing martial arts, yeah. or you know, whatever. I definitely
1: so, think, yeah. I mean, there's uh, martial arts are really varied as well. So, you know, if one martial art don't suit you, I'm, I'm sure something else would, regards being, you know, a young lad or a young girl. Um, and I agree, you know, I think you know their time would be better spent doing some kind of, you know, healthy activity that perhaps going to also keep them safe one day. You know, at, at yeah, that, yeah. know, trouble comes their way, um, and it keeps you um, out of trouble. I mean, uh, me and my brother, my brother's four years older than me, and uh, as sort of like young teenagers, we, we got into taekwondo. And um, my brother's a really good, good guy, um, lovely guy. Um, you know, but me when I was growing up, I was a good kid, but um, I was a little bit more scrappy, perhaps a little bit more, more hot headed than my brother, got in a little bit more trouble than my brother. Um, but we both started up this taekwondo, and I do think it uh it 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 steered me away. it was a good time to come in my life um definitely yeah. taught me respect i definitely learned to respect my my taekwondo instructor i mean he was he was legit good um um not 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 a brash guy to to show off how tough he was or anything but when we used to spar him he, he was good and um and and so i learned to, to definitely give him the respect that he deserved and i think that was really healthy for me and i think you know um some some Strict parenting in the right way, I think, is good for a child. Also, I mean, we've all got our own ways of of dealing with our children and bringing them up. But I think, you know, a bit of hard love is sometimes the best love. I, I think perhaps some kids ain't getting that in the right way today. And I think we might be seeing trouble in our society today with these young youths because it's been falling apart at the
0: family level. Yeah, and I think a big part of it, a big, I think, a huge problem with um this generally i actually speaking we spoke i spoke with um with lee the show about um like knife crime and stuff we mm-hmm. talked about but like i think a big part of it is that um so say when i was younger when i was like 14 or whatever i yeah. got into some trouble yeah. but i knew that if my dad found out mm-hmm. I was in big trouble, and I didn't want. so I would do everything I could possibly sure. do to make sure he didn't find out yeah. out. yeah. But I feel like these days, kids perhaps, they don't really care if they get caught because they feel like, well, oh, what are you going to do? Yeah. And I, There's no, and I feel no like that, mm. It's like no, I don't yeah. know if it's discipline or like the punishment or they kind of... Yeah. It's difficult to explain, but... I do you feel like that's a big part? I, I agree with something that you said there about that. This is the problem that we're seeing, you know, everywhere now. Mm. Is that you? I mean, you know, I feel like every day I read about someone being stabbed or attacked, or yeah, somebody, yeah. And it's usually by a couple of kids, or you know, what yeah. I would consider kids. Yeah. In some ways, they're nearly adults, but and I feel yeah. like I read about it every day, I man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what could could have been done to help those kids before they got that stage?
1: I I mean, I'm sure back many years ago, you know, thirty, forty years ago, they they had their stints of crime. I I definitely think it's in terms of stabbings and stuff it's definitely up more than it used to be. Um, You know, this could be you know partly put down to trends, maybe. Um, But I just think less families are staying together. And, and, and it doesn't fare well for the children that are caught up in it, unfortunately. Um, you know, we're all under pressure to work as well. I mean, you know, if families do stay together, you know, predominantly the, the, the mum has to go back to work even when they've got a ch- small child. Um, you know, this is time away from parenting. And, and again, you know, to, to go back to what we were discussing before, um, that I was quite old fashioned in, in that I would have my. My, my, my ex, as she was as she is now, um, I wanted her to be at home, so she, she spent the 15 years it was together, uh, being able to be a, a proper um, uh, a, 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 I say proper parent because you could be a proper parent when you work too don't get me wrong, but I want to know that if the kids are sick at school, there's going to be mum to go and pick them up and, and, and take her, take them home. And to have her energies about her, you know. Mums must yeah. come home tired from even a part-time job. Being a parent is not easy. really It's not easy. Oh, no. And to think of working as well. I mean, it, it, yeah, no wonder things are falling
0: apart. I know what you mean. I mean, when we had our oldest, we, we, did, uh, we did the same. I, I felt like I wanted my wife to stay home. I didn't want her to have to go to work. Um, so for the first year, I think it was about 18 months, maybe, around, yeah. I don't even know if we made it that long, where right. we tried it and we wanted it and it was working well from a point of view of, you know, like the family structure and whatever, but just couldn't financially manage to yeah. it's live tough, a really tough. rent on just yeah. my wage, so she yeah, yeah. had no choice. You know, and yeah. as it worked, it worked out all right in terms of she got a job where I got a job and we had, they had a crash and things like that. Mm. But beforehand, in my head, I didn't want them to go to a crash. And for her to have to work, I wanted to be able to, you know, do it the way that we discussed. But mm. such is life. Yes. But yeah. It's, um it's a weird, isn't it, as a parent, like you worry about your kids no matter what, even if the world was all fine and dandy and rosy, you'd still worry, wouldn't you? But it's it's uh, it's kind of one of those things at the moment where you you just... And I think one of the things about it as well is the world we live in now, is everything's instant. So if something happens in London or Birmingham or Liverpool or wherever, you know about it straight away on yeah, yeah. social media or the news or the radio or the... In- yeah. Some, some form of contact or notification. So you do th- hear of every bit of sort of every stabbing or every, you know, wherever it may be. Mm. Um, but the, whereas I, I, maybe 15, 20 years ago, you might not mm. have heard about those things.
1: Yeah, and... yeah, yeah, but I, I definitely think with this knife crime, I mean, the, the, the consequence of, uh, of potentially using the knife or even just getting caught with a knife on you it's just not consequential enough. I mean, it's almost a feather in the cap if they get caught with one, because it's like a, you know, well, hey, you know, I'm i the man, or, or however, you know, I don't know. It just don't, it just doesn't seem consequential enough. And you know, if the parenting ain't there at home, and then it's got to be done with the, the with the system, right? Um yeah. But the the policing, I mean, you know, we can use London as an example, because that's where a lot of the knife crime seems to be happening, or certainly where the tensions falling. Um, they don't do the stop and search now I think that was Sidi Khan that brought that in Which I think is just crazy And, and, and also the, the police numbers Are dropped, I mean of course Crime's going to go up But also in terms of the law They've got to start dishing out proper punishment So that these people think twice about even having one on them You know, give them proper
0: time Make Yeah, proper but that's the problem isn't it? Is they, and I, Because of their age as well A lot of them are under 18 They just, they don't get a punishment half the time. It's like a, it's almost like a a caution rather than, you know, it should be some sort of jail time. It doesn't have to be, you know, just for carrying a knife. I feel like if you carry a knife in the street and the problem is, is I think some of these kids are carrying a knife because perhaps where they live is so intimidating and there's Mm. gangs and there's people around. So they feel perhaps like when they're walking about or they're walking home, they feel like they need that to, you know, for protection as much as bravado and other stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think things like martial arts and boxing and people, you know, there's people all around the country like yourself, um, Mm -hmm. you know, who work in community centers and youth clubs and they're doing, you know, volunteers, some of them who are doing so much to try and combat this stuff. And then you've got, like, the the mayor of London or the government reducing police jobs. And, mm. and it's kind of like, I mm. feel like that's a huge part of the problem. Not that I've got any desire to go into politics. But, like, in terms of, like, if you're going to cut mm. uh, cut the amount of police on the streets and available, mm, then, yeah. and of course, crime's going to go up. Like, yeah, that's yeah, just, yeah basic common sense
1: isn't it yeah I think there's other things as well that that, for me personally I I find worrying and if you hear like in in interviews I mean I'm using Sadiq Khan as an example because it it puts it out there you know just on how I feel on the kind of things that I'm hearing but they're kind of normalizing things a little bit so you know I know one time uh, Sadiq Khan was questioned about the terrorism incidents that are happening in London and um, he's kind of like coughing it off as well. That you know, that's what comes yeah. along with multiculturalism, and and that's that city life. As if, well, that's just the way it is. I, I think this is totally not acceptable. That is yeah. not the way uh, it should be. It certainly is the way it is, but it just should not be like that. Um, but no, we don't run the country. Unfortunately, Uh you know, other people do that.
0: It's. Um... Um... But yeah, you're right. It's like why in a civilized country why should you normalize any mm. kind of crime, any kind of terrorism or whatever it may be? That shouldn't yeah. be normal. That shouldn't mm. be okay. Mm. That shouldn't be oh, it's a capital city and that's what it comes with. No. Yeah. It's not all right. People are, you know, people are dying, people are getting hurt. So what can we do to stop it? Yeah. Maybe let's have more police on the street. Let's, let's increase the punishment for carrying a knife. Let's in- increase the punishment for using a knife mm. and actually make it that. However, yeah. when this came up with Lee, he did make an interesting point, which got me thinking was yeah. that if you increase the, uh, the punishment for carrying a knife, yeah. what you could potentially do is to so say in the situation that I just mentioned where, Someone's just carrying a knife yeah, for, because they feel uncomfortable in their surroundings and they know yeah. there's gangs, etc. If you then uh, they get arrested for carrying a knife and you give them, I don't know, six months in a youth offenders yeah. what you could potentially do then is you could actually drive them more into going towards crime because perhaps in that detention centre they might sort of uh, become friendly with someone who influences their decisions. They might feel that they need to get involved in a gang to remain safe within the the system. So it's like there's that I suppose there's that aspect as well. However, when you weigh up I feel like I feel like if you can stop people, kids particularly, Mm -hmm. thinking that carrying a knife is okay or the way to go or what they need to do then mm-hmm. that's a big part of the problem yeah um and maybe a deterrent need, well there is there is no deterrent at the moment i think it's the biggest yeah, yeah. issue yeah well my, my answer
1: to what you're saying you know what lee said you know, is a really good point um and, and you know we're probably not in the know enough to, to to know how the best way to go about it in in a deeper sense but uh you know, if they are going to a detention centre, or, or even indeed to prison, if they're older, um, you know, there's got to be programs in place within those units that educate them, you know, uh, to steer them away from it. I mean, of course, you're going to have shady individuals in there, but there's got to be some kind of rehabilitation program to make them, you know, think otherwise, and or to give them hope to come out of what they was in before. You know, you've got to come, dangle some kind of carrot and, and, and dangling the carrot of, you know, you could be, you, you can make a success of your life by doing it the right way. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, some individuals are not going to be changed and they're always going to yeah. be bad. Um, you now, unfortunately, that really is true. There really, you, can, you can't do anything about that. But, uh, but I do think you can help the society as a whole to make it, uh, you know, resonate at a, a safer, safer level. But it has to be done across a wide spectrum. It isn't just policing. It's not just schooling. Not just parenting. It's you know it's a whole set of things together. That's what makes it so complicated, so difficult. And you know, but right now I feel like nothing's really being done to address that's no. clearly a problem. Nothing seems to be changing. Everything yeah. seems to take, take so
0: long in England. That's what it feels like yeah. to me. They um, I feel I always well, I really passionately feel. Like yes, there is kids or people who are going to be bad and make bad choices, and they're going to do, they're going to go that way, no matter what, how much you try and help them, what you try and do, what you try and put in place, whatever Mm. it may be. But it's about reaching again. Like I use kids as an example, but it's about reaching those people who can be helped and can be steered in the right direction, or another side of it, or who have got themselves in a situation. That they want to get out of but they can't for whatever reason whether it's crime or family or whatever it's Mm. about reaching those people because they're the people Mm. who can then try and Mm. make change you know it's like it kind of spreads if you get what I mean the people who what you find is people who've been helped particularly if you speak like I've spoken to a couple of people who will go in a kind of bad way when they were young teenagers and then they met someone, whether it be a coach or a teacher or a friend or a mm. social worker, someone who steered them in the right direction. And because yeah. that person changed their life, they've then gone on to work with kids or to mm. try and and try and do the same. Yeah. So I do think there's something toward, you know, to that. But I think yeah. like like you say it's like an overall spectrum of like policing and social services and you know yeah 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 i mean
1: all i know is something's got to be done and yeah you know i just don't hear about anything moving forward with it and that's a little concerning you know it just seems to be maybe waiting until it gets bad to another degree before someone ever does anything about it but you know time will tell i don't know i i, I do take uh, a little interest in some of the politics um it's all seemed to be a brexit at the minute but um, but you know those kind of things are my concern. My my son um has got a friend that uh does uni in in London, and sometimes my son goes down there on a train, and they'll go out drinking that. And I've got to say, you know, it really does worry me. I always say to my son, please be careful. And my son's a real good lad. He's not the kind of person who ever intentionally causes any problems, or or go where there's potentially any problems as such. But you know, he's got to live his life still and I get that so I don't certainly stop him that he's 21 years old I can't stop him but uh, it, it does play on my mind it really does and um, that must be yeah, real
0: stressful every
1: time
0: it is and that would stress me yeah. out
1: yeah, yeah it's very well, you know, it really is but yeah uh, you know, we can only ever you know sit and point out opinions yeah. of how we think things have been done it might be a lot more complicated than what we're saying I'm sure it is but uh, politics and, and putting things in place to make things work and move forward seems to just take so long here in England. Um, very frustrating.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. So um, before we uh, switch to the to the hands of the people, as it were, and yeah. uh, we go through some of the stuff they've sent in, okay. uh, I just wanted to ask you about the uh, – obviously you've been a very busy weekend – uh, with yes. some of your fighters in action Super busy yeah.
1: It's been crazy um, Well, it, it went very well um, uh, So on the Friday uh, We had a Cage Warriors event uh, in London uh, We had Tom Burns making his first Fight since having a, a, One of the most horrendous injuries That's been seen in, in the cage um, he, he fought on Bellator He dislocated his arm He didn't realise he was competing With an injury so his arm gave way um, as a a takedown was being attempted. and His arm completely give out. Um, Truly horrendous injury. Um, and It took quite some rehabilitation. Um, He took some time out from training and in the meantime without getting into the midst of what caused it, me and Tom had a falling out. Um, He had a lot of things going on in his life. He had a relationship. He was living with the girl. They split up all during the same period that he had this arm injury. and and then we had this 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 falling out. So he was no longer training with us. But you know, to cut this long story short, you know, it's all gone full circle. He's come back training. He's done a good job with the arm. But he ended up picking up this nasty injury on uh, on his ankle, which is, all stems from an injury he had years ago, where he really broke his leg back. He broke his ankle really really bad. Um, so this was something that was plaguing him throughout the camp, he couldn't get his weight off because he couldn't run, because his ankle issue so he was a lot heavier, even though it was just a catch weight, he was still a lot heavier than he should have been uh, to make weight, and so he actually missed weight, even though it was a catch weight fight, which for, for him to do, there must have really been a problem for him not to make weight uh, and we knew what he was, it was the road work he just couldn't run with his ankle and, uh, but so you know, he's gone in there he's fought a really good guy from Ireland um and he managed to pull pull off a split decision win um and It just makes it even more impressive for the fact that everything that he's been through and um and really went in there w- w- with one and a half legs <laughs> he's He had no footwork ability um I think had the camp knew that there was an issue um they could have strategized to have beaten Tom, but of course you know we tried to disguise it best we could and we got away with it. And he, and he scraped that win. But next fight, he would be in uh, much better health, uh, much better position to, to, to nail that weight, because that's the first and only time that I've ever known him to miss weight. And, uh, and, and that, was, that was that in the bag. That was on the Friday. Then on the Saturday, we had six fighters fighting on the Battle Arena amateur show. Um, they do have some pro, uh, pro fights on there now, but all the guys that we got on there are, are amateur but um, I think it's pretty much the biggest amateur event now in Europe, I think it is. Um, and we come away with three world title wins, uh, one national title win. Um, basically, we, we won all seven fights that we had scheduled for the Friday and Saturday. So it's been an absolute awesome weekend. I'm so proud of what everyone's done. And not to forget about the coaching that goes involved. Um, J.B. Graham, um, Lee Edwards, that are all based at our gym. Um, obviously, myself being there. Claire Riley helping out, you know, Jordan who's a known fighter, he helped out in the corner with the title fights as well. You know, I'm just so proud of the way the team functioned and conducted themselves. And every one of the fights was real hard, really high level. Um, incredible, incredible weekend.
0: Is it, um, is it more stressful as a coach than when you were sort of? building up for your own fights. Oh, man, goodness. It's, it's just kind of less, <laughs> less
1: yes in control, in aren't you? Yeah, yes in ways for that, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not in control. And and you care for these kids, you know. You you become friends with them. You, you know, you love them. And you, you want them to feel the happiness of a win and not the sadness of a loss. You don't want them to get hurt or injured, win, lose or draw. You, know, you, you feel for them in that aspect. Um, so... You know, it's a little bit like saying, you know, who would you love more out of your, you know, your mum or your dad? You know, you love them for different qualities, right? But you love them the same, but just for different ways. Same for the stress aspect and the anxiety aspect of when I competed, it come with a whole set of different stresses than it does being a coach, but on par, totally on par. It's
0: cool. Uh, it, I mean, know. Tom Mearns is... uh He's got a lot of ability and he looks like he could be something quite special. Do you feel like he could go to the very, very top if, he, uh, yeah, you know, if, if everything falls in? Obviously, things have got to fall into place. And... Yeah,
1: like I said before, you know, so many things have got to fall into place. You know, he certainly looked into the strategical part of the sport deeper enough. He's always trying to address the technical aspects enough. Um, he's, he's naturally a strong guy, but he you know, keeps working on his strength to be even stronger. Um, yeah, he's got a lot of the qualities um, to take him all the way. And, um, you know, he listens as a student. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, what's hard for these youngsters, in particular for Tom, you know, he works a physical job. Um, you know, that, that, that makes it kind of hard, you know, to come to training, feeling like you really want to put that hard session in. But he always knuckles down and gets it done. Um, and, and I respect that. Um, so yeah, um, don't be surprised to see him um, hit it big. I mean, he's working on Cage Warriors. I think that's where he's going to be staying for now, but I think there could be bigger things coming from him, and you could be seeing him on that Bellator, or USC, in the in the coming years. Yeah, why not? But we've got other fighters touting to to do the same. I mean, Jordan Featherweight
0: actually. Yeah, I was going mean, to say about that's going to be interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jordan's another standout Featherweight. Uh, And they're both on the cayuforias right now, so um, we'll have to worry about that when it when it comes to it. You know, if they both end up becoming one and two contenders for the spot, Mm -hmm. or one of them gets it, and you know, we'll discuss it. We'll sort it all out.
0: Sorry, what was uh, Jordan's surname?
1: Oh, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. this right Uh, above I think I'm saying that name. Uh, Very, very, very good featherweight. Um, Yeah, he's. uh, a definite talent. Um, very different personality to Tom. A totally different physique from Tom. A different skill set from Tom. Tom's a gritter and a grinder. Um, Jordan's more of a, a, a technician. Um, a Pretty boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tom's ugly as hell. He's a typical fighter. Um, you'd probably look at Jordan's face and, and wouldn't know he's a fighter. And, uh, but you look at Tom's and know he's been in those scraps but yeah I mean they, to, they bring total different aspects to the table they do but they make great training partners because of that
0: yeah it's, um, so if people wanted to catch the Cage Warriors fights from Friday well, can they find them on uh, like a streaming service or the internet or, or yeah, TV yeah, I, think they, I think they do get released
1: I think, I, I think it was on some kind of Pay per view, maybe. I, I actually don't know about these things too much. I'm so caught That's up. Cool. With it. I'll, let, I'll so, have a look. Yeah, up. I mean, the, I think... the the fights will be accessible at some point. Yeah, you know, without a doubt, uh, it's a good one to watch. You know, Tom's always good to watch.
0: So was that was that the uh, Cage Warriors unplugged? Was it uh, Cage yeah. Warriors unplugged? The name yeah, of
1: the it? Yeah, it was a really. I say strange event. It was uh, very different from other Cage Warriors event in that it was like an invite only thing, and it had a real feeling like you know when they do the UFC contenders and you know there's not so many people there. Yeah. It feels yeah, it feels like people have all come to watch you in a gym. It, it had that feeling oh, okay. it was done in a studio, and I thought it actually worked out quite well. Um, yeah, I think I'd, it, I felt like you know, there, there wasn't so much jeering or, or, or shouting from the crowd. So you could kind of concentrate a little bit more. I thought it was nice for me because uh, I could get my instruction out there to Tom really easy because it weren't too noisy. And um, so for that aspect, I really enjoyed it. But I also do enjoy the ones where are really loud because it's great atmosphere, right? And I'm all for that as well. But yeah, I really enjoyed that cage. I, you know, I think they've got other ones planned to be like that. And I think that's great to put into
0: the mix. Yeah, I'm always open to, you know, try new things, try different yeah, things, see, see what yep. works, see what doesn't. Yeah, um, um, Bellator <laughs> did
1: something really different, didn't they, uh, a couple of years ago? They did a cage event and a ring event all in one show. And okay. I thought that worked out quite I thought, how the hell is that going to work? But I think they pulled it off really well. And again, you know, dare to be different, I think, is a good thing.
0: Yeah, I've. Um, I used to be that I, I would I would watch Cage Warriors and I would watch UFC and I would never really watch Bellator. But over the last year or so, I've slowly started to watch more and more Bellator. I feel like over the last couple of years they've just changed slightly. I feel like before they were trying to be the same as UFC and like right. they can't. And then all that happens is they come across as like UFC light, rather yeah, okay, being, yeah. you know, be their own product with their own fighters and their own style of doing things. Sure, and I feel like by developing that own, you know, their own style and stuff, it mm-hmm. becomes more interesting to me. Well, yeah, than yes. just trying to copy someone else. If you, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do.
1: I mean, this is just a feeling. You know, whether it, it, it's factually true, but it does did seem to me that Bellator were putting on fights with those older fighters that you yeah. never got to meet and they get them to get it on. They're past their prime slightly, but they do get the fights to happen that you never got to see when I was in USC, when perhaps they should have faced when I was in their prime. And um, so it's for that part of Bellator, I, I, I kind of liked it that they did that. And, uh, yeah. and I like it that they can give these guys that are Touching their forties or slightly over their forties, they're able to still get in there, and they give them the appropriate matchup to fight someone similar age to themselves. I think that that that's great, you know, because they can still do it, but they certainly can't keep up the the people in their you know mid twenties to mid
0: thirties. But um, so you so, so you know what fight they must be doing next then, don't you? So uh, Danny Danny Batten versus oh. uh, e. Remedios. <laughs>
1: Yep, you know, mm. I'll I tell you for why that kind. not happen. I mean, I'll be really happy for that to happen. I don't think you would be so happy. It's for the fact that I'm, I'm so much bigger now, um, and, which is kind of like the flip side of how it was when I first knew about Lee. When I first knew about Lee, he was really, you know, he, he built himself up physically. You know, he's not the tallest dude, but, um, no. you know, he was built like a pit bull. Um, and I was really tall, skinny and lean. And uh, I, I think he was around about 75 kilos back then you know, a lot bigger than he is now. Uh, and, and I was walking around at a real slim 64, 65 kilos. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, I'd have to chop off some limbs to, to, to make a weight of <laughs> this. Because I think, you know, he walks around about, you know, he's mid-60s now or something like that. I mean, I, I, I went away on holiday and I come back at 92 kilos. Uh, yeah, there, there's no way that could possibly happen. <laughs> no way that it's could <laughs> happen, where it'd be fair anyway. So, uh, all right. Yeah, I mean. That's a a dumb thing. Something I wished had happened was on the cards to happen. But as we all know about the whole injury thing, it never happened.
0: Yeah, you know, these things happen, don't they? So, uh, okay, let's get into some of the questions that the people have sent. Yes. Uh, They mainly met MMA. I think there was a couple towards the end, which are not. I've tried to group them all together. Okay. um, So the first one was... uh, uh, is it nerve-wracking when you go into your first professional fight and how did you control the nervous energy? Right. Yeah, of course it's nerve-wracking.
1: Um, you know, I, I think I, I think you would have to have something wrong with you not to be nervous, right? But it's how you deal with those nerves. It's totally how you deal with it. And um, I began to get myself into almost like a ritual state. I would have a little routine that I would do on the morning of the fight. And um, I would kind of create a personality of, of showing absolute nothing. And, um, you know, if you see the way I'd walk over to my um, opponent just before we square off and touch gloves and go back and fight, I would, I would show nothing. I'm, I'm there like a robot to do a job and, and to do it the best I can. So, you know, think of any kind of robotic thing like, you know, look at, look at AI regards chess. It focus all its energy in chess. It can't do anything else other than um, I kind of created that within myself. Um, to become kind of emotionless. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was all under the surface there. It was all going on. But um, I didn't want to give my opponent an inkling on whether I was angry, hurting, tired, um, any of those things. I I wanted to show nothing. Because my kind of thoughts on it is, you know, look at someone like Theodore. He'd never get in your face. He would never look timid. He showed nothing. And I think sometimes for the human mind, not knowing what you're up against um, could be more, scareful, uh, more, more fearful than um, than someone perhaps creating that fight in you by getting in your face. Um, I didn't want no one getting instinctual and, and being able to respond just because I was trying to aggravate them. Uh, I wanted them to become really conscious that they was going to be in competition with me. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, how I see, dealt
0: with you, it. You see some fighters... Um, like they really tune up and they get themselves hyped up with the music and the entrance, and you can yeah, see sure. that they're visibly hyped. And then you've yeah. got others who are quite cool, calm, collected. And yeah, you've got others who you can see are quite nervous, but they kind of don't really mm-hmm. show it outwardly. Sure. Um, yeah. What What would be your preference when you speak to like your the, the guys that you coach? Do you encourage well, them to do either, or do you just say whatever's best for them? Sure.
1: Each fight is different. And I think this is why it's so important for a coach to really get to know their, their fighters. And, and, you know, and, and that's how they become mates uh, initially. I mean, there's some that I don't get on well with, as in, you know, have as much in common. You know, it's all business ended. But you've really got to know them. And, and you know, how I will talk and prepare one person will be vastly different from another. You've got to personalise it. Um, you know, if you look at someone like Nick Hayes, who's turned out to be you know, a really good amateur, and I'm sure he's going to have a really good professional career. You know, this guy gets himself worked right up, right up, and that's become his thing. And I let him do that if that's what he wants. He wants to be smacked time and time again in the face just before going in. I can't mm-hmm. do it to him, so I leave it for the other coaches. I mean, I just, just, that, that was nothing that would interest me. I didn't want to get smacked around the face before getting there, but he needs it. He wants it. Uh, and then you got other ones that are not like that at all. They like things to be calm. They want you to be cool. They don't want to see that you're worked up and, and getting excited yourself. They want to go in there focused and, and, and ready to do the job. Everyone's different.
0: Yeah, because I remember watching uh, Paddy Pimblitt fight in, uh, when it was on the Liverpool card. When uh, obviously he's from Liverpool and the yep. the crowd was so loud, and mm. you could see before the fight he was so like just buzzing and just taking it yeah. in, and he was so hyped. Yeah, yeah. And, oh,
1: he's a good competitor. I remember That's
0: thinking it. Yeah, it's a great competitor.
1: He's a good competitor. You know, he he's he's up for it. He he wants it. Yeah, he's a good performance. Yeah, I feel like um he. I
0: feel like he was. I think if he hadn't lost his title when he did I feel like mm. that was his time to go to UFC and yeah. I feel like maybe because he lost the featherweight title mm. that kind of might have gotten back a step because yeah, it, yeah. I don't know you know just from stuff I read and yeah. heard on podcasts and radio it felt like he was about to make the jump and yeah. then he had that shock loss
1: um, and yeah.
0: One of the questions, actually, someone asks is about Paddy. They say, um, you know, do you think he'll make it in the UFC? Um, And do you think that the UFC should sign him now or wait until he's a bit older? Because obviously he's still early 20s. Yeah, I I was going to say, he'd
1: come come into it very, very young. And and he's got a lot of experience for his age. Um, I definitely think he's talented enough to go to the UFC. Um, But I don't know what stage he's at regards... Um, his camp and how things are settled and how smooth things are, are running. Uh, in fact, you know, I, I don't know. He's been that active, has he, in the last number of yeah, years? Yeah, he's
0: had um, he's had an injury actually. For yeah, the last so for that point, I would perhaps
1: say, you know, not right here and now. You know, yeah. perhaps you know, just get another couple of fights, get back his groove, get back you know the feeling in the cage, and but it's certainly a prospect to go to UFC without a shadow of a doubt. Um, in fact, uh, Tom Burns, I think, not not called him out, but suggested that. That would be a fight that would really excite him. He would go up a weight to seventy kilos to fight him. Um, you know he admires, uh, Paddy Pim. That he thinks he's a real, real tough opposition. But those are the kind of things that get Tom going. So, but he did. Tom did say, you know, he knows that you know, he's a real big name, more experienced than Tom. And Tom knows he, he might have to pay his dues in terms of getting in there more, getting some more substantial wins, perhaps for oh, Paddy to okay. to take the fight. But that would be a great fight for the future. But maybe if Paddy, you know, perhaps fights a couple of more times, he'd be heading to that UFC. Why not? Certainly good enough to, I think.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I um, He kind of got me into Cage Warriors. Right. I, I, sort of, I think I'd watched like a... Uh, it must have been like a... I must have watched something, whether it be football or UFC. I think it was UFC London. But like, Cage Warriors was on... Straight after, and I saw this kid from Liverpool, and he won his fight comfortably, which I watched then. And his personality, I just found it really entertaining and interesting. Yeah,
1: definitely and different.
0: Confident, definitely different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you I mean, need that as well. I, to make and if it, I was lucky to have hair on my head, soft. I wouldn't have it lucky like as is. But
1: yeah, you know,
0: uh, I see. I like, like it, it for that, like uh, <laughs> that Oasis cut type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, um, funny enough, I tweeted him uh a while about a month ago as a bit of a long shot and said, Fans, coming on the podcast. And yeah. he messaged me straight back and said, Yeah, definitely. I just don't know when. So, we've right. been trying to sort out a date since yeah. then, just every couple of days, he'll send me a DM. So, I'm still working on it. and I'm sure. hoping that I'll get him on soon. Yeah, uh, that'd be good. One. That'd Paddy, be good. if you see this, come on. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it'd be good to have him on. I'll definitely be curious to listen and, and to learn more about him because you know I only just see little bits regards the interviews that he does after the fight, so I haven't got the or had the privilege, sorry, uh, to meet him in person. But um, you know, if I was to, I'd love to you know exchange some some words and some dialect with him and get to know him a little bit better.
0: It's one of, one of the favorite thing, my one of my favorite things of doing these podcasts is like speaking to people like yourself mm-hmm. or like footballers and. You know I've been really lucky that I've spoken to some some great people from all you know all walks of life all professions, mm. all sports and actors and doctors and I find it really interesting to talk to them about not just the stuff that they're you know interested in or their profession or what they're good at, but also talk to them about other stuff and you know hear their views because like if I speak to say a footballer, they've done a million interviews about you know football their career and this whereas they haven't talked about something completely off you know knife crime or they haven't talked about a different fighter away from themselves or you know just something a bit different yeah people a bit better and just you know sometimes people get pigeonholed as a fighter, or a footballer, or an actor, or okay, yeah. you know, whatever, yeah. and that's what—that's all they can talk about, and that's all they—they they know. Whereas, so yeah. you know, quite often people have got plenty to say about everything else.
1: Yeah, uh, I say all
0: that, and I'm going to ask you some more MMA questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we you know we've been off the topic of MMA. We've only just gone on it, right? So, it's yeah, good yeah,
0: sorry, nice So, if you had to pick, like, one British fighter who you think is like a future world champion in the UFC and you had to pick one and your life depended on it, who would you pick?
1: Uh, right now, because some of my other fighters that I think, I think, I think we're going to have one in our gym eventually. And um, some of the young lads, it's very early to say, but there's a lot of prospects of I me. Mean, I've already mentioned them, Jordan, that there's some other amateurs that are going to come big on the, the, the uh, pro scene. Um, like the Albanian lad, Nude, fantastic. You know, some of the guys that won this weekend, they're going to be incredible pros and they could go along. But, you know, thinking in terms of of, of professional fighters that I've been exposed to is Modestus, who just recently won the Cage Warriors heavyweight title. Someone that's totally underestimated. This kid is is young. Um, He's got a very supportive family behind him. His dad's a, a fantastic striker in his own right. A great martial artist in his own right. And, um, and not insecure enough to send him to other places to go and learn, which is a big thing about our club. I always say to my fighters, get exposure to other clubs and coaches. And I do advise them where I think they should go, but they're always free to go and um, experience whoever and whatever they want, whenever they want. If they've got the money and the time, the energy and means to do so, go ahead and do it. Destas is one of those characters. He's very respectful. Um, he, he will always give a shout out for a club. You know, to show that he represents us as well as his own team uh, but this kid's got it he, he's fit, strong he, he's got a good outlook on on the competition um, yeah, he's a good guy if I think anyone's going to make it he could make it and I think that's a nice open division as well that like heavyweight I think it's very, very possible for him to make big waves in the UFC Cool, well, that, well,
0: I'd definitely be looking out for him yeah. I'm, uh, and I'm, like, like I said to you, know, I already uh, sort of Tom Moons caught my eye. Yeah. So I'll be keeping yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. I'll make a note of all these names and I'll be keeping wonderful.
1: Yeah, yeah. that He's great to watch. I mean, light, heavyweights are normally a little slow. This kid's fast. He's got flamboyant kicks. Um, and people, you know, they, they try and take him down. They, they think think he ain't got a ground game. Um, he, when he first come to us, he didn't have much of a ground game. But this kid's learnt quick already as a super handful um, and his wrestling's getting getting pretty damn good as well i mean the last guy he fought was a former you know wrestling world champion um and and you know he did did everything as we we, we said it would go uh, and I mean, eventually the guy was struggling to get him down it led to the guy's demise so yeah this
0: kid's gonna make big waves for sure cool mm. so um someone else asked uh, when is too much for Dana White in regard, in regards to Conor McGregor and he just cuts ties? Or is he just too valuable and thus untouchable?
1: Well, there's no. I, I don't think you're ever too valuable or untouchable. I don't think that's ever the case, especially with Dana White. If it suits Dana White, he, he'll go with it. If it doesn't, he won't. Um, I mean, not all the times I've agreed with Dana White, but who's to say I'm right as well? But uh, you know, like when he didn't have Ben Askram in that, uh, but that for such a long time I think that was a shame. Um and when he got rid yeah. of uh Paul Daly, so so you know, yeah. for something like well, it was such a small guy. I mean there's been worse things happen and and people are still carried on fire. I think it's really harsh on him. Uh but no, uh, I think I think if it suits Dana White and he thinks it's it's good for UFC, he'll do it no matter what. Um but of course there uh, there are lines we could all cross, right? Who knows what yeah. Dana White so He's a rule to himself, he's a strong minded individual, and I'm sure when he makes a decision, um, everyone will know about it. Yeah,
0: would you, um, would you book obviously Khabib beat uh Poirier on the weekend? Yeah, convincingly, yeah. Would you book Conor uh Connor Khabib rematch? Not and now, do
1: you think? Oh, um, you
0: oh, think what's the name the <sighs> well, well, on any given look, I
1: think Connor's. Proved that you know if he lands his shots, he's going to put you all away, he's just got to land his shots. But the difficulty with Khabib is you know he's so good at smothering people who to land shots in on him. And um, Khabib has looked vulnerable at times, um, you he know, did. a little bit with Poirier. you know, he got ran back a little bit, but no one's been able to stick enough on him. Um, so you can never write Conor McGregor off. Um, I do think. To a little point, people have found some weaknesses in Connor's game. We know his cardio seems a little questionable at times. Um, we know that, you know, on the ground he's showing some weakness. But I'm sure he's doing things to try to adjust to make that not an issue. But I still think that's going to be the go-to for people who fight against uh, someone like Conor. Um, yeah, that's all right, my, my take on that.
0: Yeah, I think the one thing about the Conor-Khabib Connor, uh, match was... I felt like Conor became so uh, so worried about Khabib's, you know, taking him down and just mauling him like he does. Yeah, he, he didn't do the things that had got him to the dance. He wasn't light. I not know. He wasn't I, changing I the angles. Yeah,
1: I get what you're saying. I, I don't entirely agree, and I'll tell you for why. Um, Conor McGregor went you know, wholeheartedly into boxing to prepare for the Mayweather fight. And and you've yeah. got to respect Connor for this. He he went into a, a really different format from what he's known for. I know he's boxed, but he went in against the, I know an absolute legend. Um, someone who's never lost before. And I think he actually performed pretty well considering. Yeah, he, I think he, he got more touches on him than some you know, real-class boxers that Mayweather's fought before. He really got some hands on And I think he made Mayweather not look very good in the first three rounds. I think he really got into Mayweather's head. And, and in the big scheme, he'd done very, very well. A lot better than if it was in um, Connor's arena. I think they could have made that boxing match a lot more interesting. So, doing it in the cage, doing it with MMA gloves, and, 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 and at least easing it up. So it's all on Mayweather. Uh, uh, all, 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 all the way that he wanted it. Um, was always going to do it because he's going to set him up a lot and it was it was great viewing, right? Like. I mean, I went to one of the uh, you know where they face off with each other and, and they oh, talk yeah. each other down. I mean, it's just, it was superb. It, it, it was really good attention. I'm glad it happened. So look, we got to respect him. He, he did that. He fought boxing against an, an, an unbeaten guy, and then he comes back after taking some considerable time out of MMA. And go straight against another unbeaten guy, um, and you got to respect that. I mean, and and I think he, he was maybe a little bit rusty, and I think that's why you didn't see perhaps the common of Gregor that
0: we hoped to see with that with that yeah. fight. Yeah, maybe he should have had the not a tune-up fight because you know you can lose any fight, but like. Should have yeah. perhaps had a fight before and fights Khabib. Oh, so I, so, um, that's, that's just not his way,
1: though, is it? He, he no, wants the big no, ones, he's got so much belief in himself.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, in terms of the rematch, I'd like to see Khabib face uh, someone like Cerrone or have another fight. And if he comes out of that, because obviously he's you know, he, he lost to Khabib convincingly, oh, so I'm I feel to, like if he um.
1: No, I think the match... Oh, I'm trying to fix the name of the guy. I'm really bad with names. Um, and maybe this is all the times I've been hit around the head that makes me this way. But um, what's the name of the other guy? Tall Skinny... Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Ferguson. Ferguson. Tony well, Ferguson. I, you
0: know,
1: yeah. I, I know that Ferguson, you know, they had this match-up lined up and he, he had the injuries, but they've got to get that match on. I think yeah. Ferguson's Absolutely. the only one right now that's got the most chance of beating him out of everybody. He can wrestle, he can strike, he can match his cardio and I think even if Khabib did get him down, is he going to keep him down? Is he, is he going to stop all these submissions? And this guy's got some serious energy about him. I would love to see that fight.
0: Yeah, I want I'd to think, see. It's, I, I, it's crazy as
1: well. Yeah. I think it would be just just for, uh, for, for him. It, it's crazy. Come on. We all want to see that fight, right? I, I think so anyway. Um, and, and deserved, the got,
0: uh, Ferguson deserves that fight as well you know totally he's been waiting right? patiently in line yeah, long yeah, enough. yeah so let's hope that one happens <laughs> yeah and then uh, if Connor wins his fight you've got that. Um, you know yeah, winner of Ferguson could be perfectly set set yeah
1: you know. yeah I mean Connor ain't won for a number of years now has he so yep. let's let's get him back on winning ways and then um then let's look at it. That's how I would suggest it, anyway. But it's down to Dana. I don't know why it's going yeah, to he'll call it
0: go where the way money is. I suppose. Absolutely. But uh, there we go. Uh, so, what's the what? What is the craziest thing you've ever seen in your years as a fighter? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, there's a few things that stand up because they're vastly different. Um, I can't remember the name of this fighter, but. Um, uh, he, he wins his fight. Um, he, he jumps up and, and he's on the cage, really celebrating. And then he stands up on the cage and does a flip, and he lands with his legs locked out straight, and, and completely destroys his knee. And uh, I can't think of the name of the fighter, but we was all astounded that he did it. And of course, he had to get carted off. I mean, that was a bit of a shock. You know, he, he had this amazing win, and it probably knocked it knocked his career out for a few years. Because he t- totally done his knee in. Um, that was quite a, something. I'd have to mention Tom Mearns again because of his arm. That's another close call because of the horrendousness of the injury. Um, and, and Other than that, it, it, it's going to fall on those nasty leg breaks that we've
0: seen with... Uh, yeah.
1: and I mean, that's just horrendous. They're the kind of things that stand out to me.
0: Yeah, one of the most distressing ones was the... Um, oh, Jesus, I can't remember his name. Anderson Silva one. That yeah. was horrific. Oh, I remember watching that, and just it goes like, and he doesn't yeah. realise for a second, and he steps back onto it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not there.
1: And I've actually seen it happen before on um, Cage Rage many years ago, and I, I somebody Pettifer was it? Was it Ross Pettifer? I can't remember his first name. Um, some guy goes and kicks him, and his shin blocks him, and, and it's, it's the first leg break I'd ever seen. So it happened many, many years ago um, that i team seen that. You know, they're that, that the kind of things that really stand out.
0: Unfortunately, yeah, injuries, nasty, yeah. yeah.
1: Nasty. Horrendous injuries. <laughs> Double knockouts, yeah. I've seen them too. You know, I've seen those.
0: Yeah, they're, they're rare, aren't they? But they're,
1: they're rare. I've seen them. Amazing yeah. to see. On the old Millennium Brawls that happened.
0: Both knocked each other out one punch. Man, mm-hmm. really strange thing. Um, yeah. What's the, your favourite place to fight or favourite country to fight in?
1: Ah, um, well, I think I enjoyed Vegas. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was great to walk around and see all the different hotels. Um, you know, i got a bit of a funny sleep pattern, so sometimes I, I don't sleep much at night or I'll go to bed early and i wake up crazy early in the middle of the night, if you will. And, um, you, you, you go walking around in the street it's buzzing all the time um it's quite an intriguing place i really enjoyed my experience there yeah it, it was a good time i had good memories not only because i won but you know mm. because of the actual place itself i really would like to go back there again to experience the place without the stress of knowing i had to fight i'd like to go really uh, indulge in it
0: yeah my uh, my bucket list of top three places to go is uh, japan vegas and, um, yeah, I, I enjoy too. Japan. Japan's yeah. good. I've been to Tokyo, uh, oh,
1: I think, three times. Um, definitely an interesting place, uh, interesting people. Um, uh, yeah, the, out there. but so uh, yeah. amazing place.
0: Yeah, the whole like, uh, the whole culture and just yeah, everything kind of just yeah. interests me. I'd love to go there uh, just for like yeah, yeah. a couple of weeks, try, just try take it sushi. all in
1: if you go out there try the sushi it doesn't look very nice because your stomach tells you i don't want to eat raw fish but um once you get over that hurdle and try it i, I really enjoyed it uh yeah, if i do go to try. another country i'll try to try some of their cuisine as they would have it
0: yeah 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 you've got to take in the uh, the local cuisine and kind yeah. of you know, try and see and do things the way they do, isn't it? Yeah. I always gotta do that. Yeah, of course. No matter how hard it is. Um so last couple of questions then. Um what we got? Uh Johnny Bishop wants to know, uh the biggest dickhead in the fight game. <sighs> what uh, today or ever? Oh
1: that's correct. Ever that. uh, I suppose. That's a hard one. <laughs> um <laughs> Crikey, uh, that's kind of got me stumped. I mean, back along, I would have said Lee Remedius because <laughs> uh, you know, we really wanted some of each other back in the day. Um, but he's certainly, you know, he, he's not a dickhead. I've got a lot of respect for Lee. Um, he's still you know, competing on a, a circuit of sorts regards his grappling. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've had those thoughts about him at times, but uh, uh, you know, that, that's all in the past now. Um, you know what? Nothing else really comes to mind. I, I'm sure there are a lot of dickheads out there, but um, nothing yeah. comes to mind. M- my experiences with the MMA, MMA world as a, as a whole, has been a really positive one. Hence, I'm still involved with it, and and and, and until then, that will continue to be the case.
0: Cool. Yeah. Um, has anyone ever offered you money to throw a fight? It's an interesting Never. one. Never, ever. Yeah, no. it's not something you know. I've not something you associate with MMA, I don't think yeah. so much. Like, not you much so much. over no. the years, you hear about boxing, don't you? But, like, yeah, I think it's liable
1: to happen where the money is really, really big. Um, I, I think it's more likely to happen in boxing because the money is so huge, but uh, in MMA, no, it's just, just less, less likely. Uh, yeah, it's not going to happen. The thing I love about MMA, um, over the way boxing has come, you know, you 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 can have a UFC champion, a better champion, but at some point, they're probably going to end up facing each other. They're not afraid to put it on the line. Um, and I like that about the MMA community, and I hope it never goes down the route of the, the way boxing did, where you really want to see two boxers getting on, but they're world champions of different promotions, and if they do get to face each other, it's when they're long past their best. And I think that's so sad, because I think in, in boxing, yeah. there was Potential matches that could have been absolutely amazing. Um, But, yeah, that ain't the case in MMA, and I'm glad about that.
0: Do you think we'll ever see, uh, like, a Bellator versus UFC, like, event, where they do, like, champion versus champion, co-promotion?
1: I hmm. I would love that to happen. I think we all would love that to happen. And I don't know, I like... I like to keep my mind open enough for my hopes that anything is possible. But um, I don't think any one promotion will really put that on the line. You know, because it's kind of trying to establish which one has got the best fighters and which one's the best promotion. And as a business, as a
0: company, they ain't going to do that. I can't see it will ever really happen. Yeah, it's almost like one of those things. It's like never say never, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I As a business decision, I guess it's you've got to weigh up like the amount of money that you'll make from the fight, but versus yeah. if your fighters you know, if your fight gets KO'd in mm-hmm. uh, under a minute, what's the damage to the company, yeah. I suppose? Yeah, I don't know. I
1: just don't that
0: think was, that's gonna love happen. to see it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh. That's an interesting one. Okay, we'll have that one. Uh, So, Peaches asks or says, uh, Danny claims to be unbeaten, but didn't he suffer a TKO loss to uh, Ricky Salhan?
1: Right, yeah, yeah. I I wasn't unbeaten. I had my losses. Um, I was unbeaten in any title fight. So, I fought for a European Uh title where I beat uh, Lucas Lazzarini. I beat John Kavanagh. Um, and all my title fights, I don't know, cage warriors. I was unbeaten um, in all my title. I, kept, I retained them all, I kept them all. Um, that, that was the case. So uh, I certainly had my losses. You can just see that on my fight record. Um, yeah, actually, with that Ricky Selham fight, um, what was interesting about that, I fought. Um, he, he was managed by the promoter uh, at the time, Andrew Jardine, and, um, and in that fight, there was uh, approximately seven fouls. Now, I'm not the one to pick. I don't care that there's a loss on my record. I'm afraid to lose. But um, this guy elbowed me in the spine during a takedown. He's a striker. And uh, he didn't want to go on the ground with me. For obvious reasons, I was getting known for my ground. Although I consider myself a striker too. But I was going to take it where I knew he weren't very good. And um, I had him up against the ropes. It was done in a ring. And when I tried to t- take his legs away, he would hold on with his arm. And, um, and the referee was a guy called Fred Raddo, who was a training partner of him. So, of course, Lee astor, my cornerman, would say, hey, Fred, look, th- no, the arm. So he'd take his arm off, um, and I'd go to the upper body to try to pull his upper body away. But then he'd put his foot and the um, lower rope so I could pull him out and take him down uh, away from the rope. So there's all these things going on. And during one of the takedowns, when I've got him around both of the legs and just about to take him down, he elbowed a direct uh, hit down to the spine, which stopped the fight for a while, had like to recover from that um and that fight actually ended with an illegal strike so you know you're not allowed to do soccer kicks well yeah. um i was down on the ground he'd done a head stomp so he got a warning i hey. got up i shot in i tried to take him down and i'm on my knees and i received another head kick and uh fred rodo the referee uh waved off the fight and put ricky's hands up it was uh, yeah. a bit of a mess now I need to look back at the footage, and Andy Jardine said, hey, I'll look back at the footage if there's more than three fouls, I think he said, we'll do it as a no contest. But they never looked at the footage. But i really like to look at it, but um, it was a very dirty fight from what I remember. But do I care? No, I don't, because I went on and done you know, so much more with my career. Yeah. It, didn't, it didn't hamper my career at all. It's a good talking point as an experience. It would certainly never happen today, um, but it did happen then. Well, but that's,
0: yeah. What can I do? The thing is, there's a, there's a reason in there that sock kicks and head stomps uh, are um, Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, don't mind,
1: I would take a fight where you can do those. It, it really doesn't bother me. Um, I mean, I would have even done a complete bare-knuckle fight. You know, I was just up for those sort of things back then. Um, but, you know, to, to, to get a loss... Um, so under that, those circumstances was a little bit you know it leaves a bit of a bad taste in your mouth but yeah. I'm not someone to, to dwindle about the past what happened happened I don't care I oh, really don't care he he, he was not uh, uh, I fought many and beat many a much better opponents than him he's certainly a talented kid though I, um, I think he ended up doing time inside which is a shame because he could have perhaps had a career in it a
0: good talking point though, and it likes to look back on and yeah, like, that's quite a mad. Like, uh, you know, like a fight, and just I wonder if that's uh, so. With that, Jack, and you'd be able like find that on YouTube or something like that, or would that uh, be unlikely.
1: I know you. Uh, not as far as I'm aware, and, um, and I don't think Andrew Dean would want to have that fight put up because of the amount of fouls. Uh, no, but the, I I, 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 yeah, it was not good. I mean, our argument was? Um, you know, Lee jumped straight in and said, "Why are you stopping the fight?" he goes oh your man's concussed he goes but it was a legal strike so surely he gets disqualified and um but the argument went nowhere and, and again the difficulty was Fred fredredo was training with andrew joddine the promoter training with ricky Salhan, and they're all kind of buddies i guess and yeah what happened happened oh, but i'm not i'm not bitter i'm not bitter about it you know i'll only ever talk about it if it gets brought up but that's how it seemed to me, uh, I, I was getting multiple fouls, he was holding onto the ropes it was a horrible affair, it was not good, I remember my dad was in the audience and my dad was disgusted with it and he goes promise me Dan you'll never fight that guy on that promotion again and I said no I, I, you know, I won't do that because he had no care for my well-being, it was hitting me in the back of the spine it was, uh, it, it's just distasteful just, just isn't it, I mean I think there has to be respect for each other as fighters I mean, we're trying to knock each other out and everything, and, and the sport's potentially dangerous anyway. But to do things that you know are really potentially damaging are doing that. I know we was discussing before, you know, you, you've had issues with your back. You you're, you know about that. Hitting someone in the spine like that, there's a reason why that's an illegal strike. Um, but he, he took that to no regard. There you go.
0: Yeah. And, you know, on a, on another day, those stumps to the head, those... Mm. Elbows to the spine—they can do some serious damage. Yeah, Um, yeah, that's not not good. Like life, life life-altering damage. You know, you get a potentially there. But MMA, MMA is dangerous enough. And if you get, yeah, you know, you can break bones. You can get concussions, and knowing what we know now about concussions and things like that, you know, I'm not saying that the blows that he did to you, you know, Risked doing that necessarily in the you know the velocity that he did him say, but you know, if he'd caught you wrong or yeah, in a way he could have, and mm. it could have been you know, yeah. very dangerous. But, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and a good part
1: it. of it, uh, and a good part of it, you know, you, you know we always mentioned Lee, Lee, Ramirez a few times. Lee Ramirez fought him you know, a number of years later and um, and put a good number on him. And I enjoyed watching it, so uh, well done for Lee for doing that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm happy to hear that because I, yeah. yeah, but I, that's not the uh, not the way to go about things in my book. No. Um okay, so just to finish off mate, if you if you're all right, just a couple more minutes um, and yeah. just a couple of kind of kind of non MMA questions. Yeah. Um just from some people so it says well, i say non-mma questions and then first one um, what's easier to master taekwondo or brazilian jiu-jitsu i'd say the grappling arts the
1: grappling arts are easier to master and i told you before because they're touch orientated um when you're learning any striking system you've got to take into account someone's footwork you gotta take into account someone's um you know, speed of strike, you know, their muscle type, whether they fast twitch, slow twitch, um and as a a, a fight progress uh, with the striking, you've got to take into account as ex- exertion. Now, don't get me wrong, you have to take these things account, uh, into account with guards being exerted with BJJ. but you know, learning it as an art, it's easier because of it is it's the touch thing, you know. An arm bar's gotta be done pretty much a certain way no matter what the position. A um, you know, leg sort of be done a certain way, Okay, with slight modifications of the position. Um, a guillotine, a certain way. Position pins, a certain way. The principles are really easy. To me, when you're grappling, it's like pieces of puzzles connecting. And I think that's an easier thing, surely, than this disconnected art of striking. Striking is something that's not... You know, it, I think it takes longer to become really good at it takes a lot longer
0: yeah what do you think is the uh like the hardest martial art to to master um
1: for me personally I, i i trained judo on and off and that was actually really hard for me very very difficult um um you know to try and throw someone so clean and um and by the same token trying to stop them throwing you I think that, that those um, takedown arts are really really hard you know wrestling as well it's so physically exerting I think both judo and wrestling are the most exhausting physical aspects of uh, of the martial arts really tiring um, so you've got to have your technique down you've got to have your fitness up and you've got to be feeling in good health to do them
0: yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um. And last two questions. Uh, AJ Wilder or Fury, who's the best fighter? Oh Fury. Spot on. Oh, personally, That's exactly. Yeah. I yeah. Absolutely. I. Yeah. Do you th- do you think uh, Joshua will beat uh what's his name? Ugh, forget his name. Do you think he'll win his rematch? Uh, next to now.
1: I'm not actually sure he will. Um, it's a big I'm fight say, for him, isn't it? I'm, uh, yeah, I'm going to say no. Say I just no. wonder
0: whether it's got into his head a bit.
1: Yeah, and I think you know, he's showing some, a little bit of weakness. I mean, this is a personal view. You know, I've watched him fight a few times, and uh, when the pace goes up, he seems to take a little while to recover from the, the exertion from it. And, um, and I used to see this um, a little bit with um frank bruno back in the day he was always a little bit slow he's very very muscular bound and um i think unless he's unless he's going at a pace that he wants to go and he's able to keep at the ends of his techniques i think when someone roughs it up and he has a little spurt back he, he seems to look tired and, and um yeah i think people are trying to push to get him into deep water
0: quite quickly but we. Yeah, is feel- yeah, I do feel a bit like people have bought into the hype a bit because I watched the the Klitschko fight, and mm. in the mid the middle rounds, he very nearly lost it. Yes, he, I agree. He did well. He did. You yes. know, don't get me wrong. His, his mentality to come back from that and then go on and win the fight and stop Klitschko? It's amazing. You know, not many people have done that. But I think people remember the win. And they forget how, much, how vulnerable he looked.
1: Yeah. In I, I, got, I, my take on that is you've got to be commonsensual about that fight. Um, how old was Klitschko at the time? Like 41, 42 yeah. years old. Honest, uh, and, out, you know, probably a decade out of his prime. Um, and, and how old was AJ at the time? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think he would have been doing that to a seven year junior Klitschko. I, I, I really don't. No. Yeah, I, I think age got the better. I think that was the, the factor in it rather than you know who's the better fighter per se. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think I think Fury now that if Fury's got his mind right and he's, you know he's in good shape I think he beats both of them because he's yes. a superior, superior boxer. Um, yes, definitely I think it's all so. about all about his you know if he's where he needs to be mentally yeah. and physically. Um, yeah. final question why aren't you on
1: Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, look, I, I, I'll be 46 soon. So I, I'm a slightly older guy. And as much as I like to think that I'm, I'm staying hip and young, some of the electronical uh, online things um, I struggle with. Now, I've got the hang of Facebook. Um, and my son kept saying to me, Dad, you really need an Instagram. You really need an Instagram. Um, I'm like, son, I, you know, I, I have enough with my Facebook. I don't really have time. You know, I've got my normal messaging going off I've got messages on my um Facebook I've got WhatsApp messages going off uh the last thing I want to do is uh, having Twitter I don't even 100% know what Twitter is all about I don't know whether it's the same as Facebook or not I really haven't dived into it or delved into it but I've got Instagram but my son runs it um so I don't actually have any part of it he just says can you send us over some pictures of your activities um and, and write a little caption and I'll put it up for you and that's how we work that but um yeah, I don't know I, what would Twitter bring to me. I, I'm not too sure how beneficial it would really be
0: to me. Yeah, I, um, I feel like that sometimes. I got to say, yeah. it's um, sometimes it can be the very worst of people. But then there is some benefits to it, I guess. But, you know, it's not all bad. But yeah. so, fortunately, the things which catch your eye, uh, the people at their worst. Um, right sometimes funny sometimes just
1: not nice yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm I, a I, fan I, social media I, I, I hear things about it but you know, but not much And I don't really hear You know, you know a big part of my social life is, is around the gym with all these youngsters I don't really hear them oh so and so put this on Twitter oh, I don't really hear much I don't know whether Twitter's really that big a thing it certainly doesn't have any bearing on my life and I don't see how it's going to benefit my life by being on it i'm happy with facebook i'm happy with my son running my instagram and that's good enough for me right now as and when it might be important for me to go on it i'll do so but no one's really ever even said to me that i should be on there to be fair there we go that's
0: yeah. that question answered done yeah. and dusted Yes. danny thank you for joining me mate i really appreciate so, you uh, so finding good. the time yep. staying up late on a sunday night um yeah not a problem for me. You can visit yeah, the BST Academy website. It's www.bstacademy.co.uk yeah. uh, with all the information about Danny's Academy. You yeah. can catch uh, I, the last show.
1: Incredible place. You, people have got to go and see it. It's an incredible facility. It really is. And we're open to all fighters, no matter what you can. You come along, we'll teach you, we'll train with you, and it'll be done uh, in the nicest of ways. very, very open place. For fighters as well as uh open to um you know the regular public as well must experience though i
0: can't tell you enough i've been looking at just you know just the photos and stuff of it on the website and it just looks awesome yeah in every way it just looks you know it's modern and up-to-date it's got all the equipment you need as fighters and also like you say for people starting out or kids, or yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, this like,
1: this, this, yeah. this academy has got everything in it that it needs to uh, either accommodate a top UFC guy, a UFC champion, in regards if they want to be over here to do some of their training before they fight in UFC if it's held in the UK. Um, not only could it accommodate them, it's also uh, can accommodate someone to progress up to that level. I really think we've got the coaches. I really think we've got the facility. To, to get someone to go up to the, the highest level that you can get at. I really do think that's going to happen. Watch this Great. space.
0: Great <laughs> and you'd like you said earlier, a couple of uh, potential UFC champions in, uh, in the mist as well. Yeah, so I you... mean,
1: too many to mention. I mean, there's many a fighter that I've not, not, not got to mention, although that's not a big deal. That I'm sure they'll be getting spoken about in the near future at some point anyway.
0: Indeed. Yeah. So, uh, Guys, you can find all our shows on uh, in in sorry video format at youtube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation and audio at all the usual podcasting platforms, catchers etc. Follow us on Twitter at Acecast underscore Nation and facebook.com dot com slash Nation. Let us know what you thought of the show. Let us who, let us know who you'd like to see on the next show. Which series is your favorite? And as always, catch us every Wednesday for the Andy Campbell Championship Show, and you can send questions in to Andy, former professional footballer for Cardiff City and Middlesbrough, and uh, Premier League footballer. Ask him anything you want. Uh, in the meantime, I will see you all next time. Thank you, Danny, again. Cheers for coming on, mate. Awesome. Really enjoyed it. Very good. Me too. I loved it. And uh, guys, we'll see you in the next episode. Cheers. Podcast Network.